0: Dr. Gina Simmons Schneider is the author of "Frazzle Brain, Break Free from Anxiety, Anger, and Stress Using Advanced Discoveries in Neuropsychology. She's a licensed psychotherapist, executive coach, and corporate trainer. She serves as co-director of Schneider Counseling and Corporate Solutions. Dr. Schneider is a coping skills expert with more than 25 years of experience helping people regulate difficult emotions and conflicts. She has been quoted in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, and the San Diego Union Tribune. Dr. Schneider blogs for Psychology Today and writes the award-winning Manage Anger Daily blog. She has blogged for Forbes and Women in Crime Inc, which the Wall Street Journal named a blog worth reading. Dr. Schneider provides training for Fortune 500 companies and other organizations online throughout San Diego County. We were fortunate and much appreciative that Dr. Schneider took some time to share her work with us. This is a great interview, y'all. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast.
1: Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou.
0: And I'm Teresa. Let's get started.
1: We have with us today Dr. Gina Simmons-Snyder. We are so excited to have you with us today and definitely look forward to today's conversation. Welcome to Earrings Off.
2: Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Teresa. It's a pleasure.
1: We are going to jump right in, okay? Frazzle Brain, what <laughs> inspired you to write Frazzle Brain, and what is Frazzle Brain?
2: <laughs> well, I'm a psychotherapist, so I do a lot of work with. Uh, in our our business, during COVID, went up. Like 40%. I mean, we were just slammed. A mental health crisis in our country in the last few years. So, the key word everyone was saying is uh, I'm frazzled. I'm frazzled. Um, we see all these TikTok videos of people having meltdowns and Trader Joe's and mm-hmm crying in the aisles and, and they're not toddlers, they're grownups. <laughs> oh, right. Um, and, uh, you know, people are, are beyond their coping skills, um, and, um, going through a lot. So as a psychotherapist over the years, I've recommended a lot of self-help books. I, I use self-help books all the time with my clients cause they're, they're really helpful. However, a lot of the books on anxiety, anger, and stress there really wasn't a book that combined these three, sort of the three headed monsters, what I call it, anxiety, anger, and stress, that is is really the driving force for a lot of out of control human behavior and a lot of interpersonal conflicts. Uh, a lot of interpersonal conflicts happen as a result of anxiety, anger, and stress sort of combining in our nervous system and narrowing our perception, clouding our judgment, making us feel foggy headed. And yet at the same time, we're feeling this pressured sense of urgency, like we have to do something. So frazzle brain is really this combination of feeling pressured, feeling uh, distressed, feeling also a little bit of fatigue. And then there's this cloudy headed, you know, our brain doesn't feel like it's functioning at 100%. When I looked into neuropsychology research, I went, there's a book here. We need to look, uh, teach people how to get our brains working more effectively and how to manage these and cope with these really extreme uh, emotions that we're feeling. And there are really great, easy ways to do that if we aim our attention, our mental attention in the direction of coping as opposed to amplifying our, our suffering uh, with a lot of uh, the behaviors that, that tend to amplify it. So, a lot of the behaviors that tend to amplify our suffering are uh, being stuck in this idea that, like, for example, we can get stuck on the idea that this is terrible, what's happening to me is terrible, and it's a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Once we're stuck on defining something that way, we've narrowed our options, right? We're immediately going, oh, catastrophe, right? And so um, they've even shown in the laboratory that if uh, they got these brave volunteers to volunteer to watch these just stressing movies and then they showed uh, where our eyes go in in a uh, had us look in a, a box, you know. Uh, and they found that when we were seeing movies about love and compassion and caring and good feelings, our eyes wander a wider pathway. and We literally see more than in in, in front of us. Mm-hmm. But when we're feeling anxious and stressed and afraid and nervous, we get a very binary view of the world. It's like safe or unsafe. And our eyes actually go a very limited uh pathway in our visual field. And so we're literally getting less information. So we're less effective uh, when we're we're um under the influence of frazzle brain or this anxiety, irritability, and stress. So um so i I realized also that some of the books I would recommend to people. Uh, you know, some great books, um, but they the first few chapters would be checklists and assessments, and they'd be full of a lot of symptoms. You know, are you having trouble sleeping at night? Do you feel like pressured? Do you feel like you're, you know, you can cope or you're beyond your coping skills? And so once people are reading all these symptoms, they start feeling even more. And so a lot of my clients would be like, I can't read this book. It's too stressful to read this book. So I wanted to write a book for people that gave you a place to rest and actual coping skills right from the first chapter. You know, you're getting coping skills. And I don't shy away from talking about the hard things because people are traumatized now. There's a lot of trauma in our world, right? yeah and people are overwhelmed by it, right We got we have the trauma of what's happening in our own personal lives. Then we have the secondary trauma of watching other people going through trauma because it's now on our phone. Right. we're seeing people getting killed, we're seeing yeah. horrifying things that we didn't ask to see and they're sec- causing us some secondary trauma even though we don't know this person we're feeling traumatized by it. So so what do we need? We need coping skills. we need um, ways of of managing the distress so that we can be effective and and um, go on with our lives and and, um, and so I don't recommend to people, you know, putting our heads in the sand and hiding from reality and not not looking at the bad stuff, but instead going, okay, one of the things that helps me, for example, with the collective trauma of what's been going on in the world is is recognizing that this is part of human history and always has been part of human history.
1: That is so true, yeah,
2: yeah, and there's something a bit comforting about that to know that there are there are always going to be like Mr. Rogers talks about the helpers in the world, they're always helpers. And then there are always going to be people who are abusers and there are always going to be people who are mentally ill and there are always going to be people who are uh, exceptionally helpful and then, you know, all kinds of folks. And so our, I think our safety comes from aligning with the helpers and in, um, in uh, 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 keeping ourselves as healthy mentally emotionally and physically as we can so that we can cope with life better and fulfill our potential, whatever that might be, wherever we've landed in the world, right? We, we want to be able to, I don't know, one of my beliefs is that we're all individuals for a reason. You know each there is no other Lou or Teresa you know, on the planet. You're, you're unique. And you know, your podcast is unique. What you bring to the world is unique. And I do think that that is uh, our purpose: is to be more fulfilling, what our whatever our potential is. So, so as a mental health professional, that's my overriding mission for people: is to help you align your behavior more in healthy ways, so that you can, you know, fulfill yourself. And sometimes that means getting out of an abusive relationship. Sometimes that means. taking care of your physical health because you're going through cancer or something difficult. Um, And uh, sometimes that means just managing your emotions because your emotions have become unmanageable. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the book is really for, for managing those difficult, those difficult emotions.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. So what are some surprising ways that you found um, to manage stress?
2: You know what is really astounding to me—the the longer I've been in this business—is the power of of our thoughts and the words that we use to describe what we're going through. And the new neuroscience research—there's so much interesting research on the power of our mind to literally change our horm- hormones. Um, there was this interesting milkshake study that was done in 2008 by um, a, a researcher at um, Stanford. And she did this re- designed this beautiful, elegant, simple study. But basically, she had the same group of people come into the laboratory on two different occasions. And their task was to drink a milkshake and evaluate it and rate mm-hmm. it. Uh, Unbeknownst to the subjects, they drank the exact same milkshake that was 380 calories each time, but they were given a fake label. The first time they were given a label that said um, this is a 620 calorie indulgent milkshake and um, they were uh, submitted to physiological measures. So they took blood work before, during and after. And, um, then the second time they came into the lab, they got the exact same milkshake again, It was 380 calories. And then they were told that this is a sensible shake of 140 calories and they were to rate it and so on and so forth. So both times they saw a milkshake with a fake label Uh uh and they rated it and then they were given physiological measures. And then they found out Uh, One of the measures that they looked at is the hormone ghrelin, which is a hormone that goes up and down depending on how hungry we are. Mm -hmm. So if we're hungry, ghrelin levels go up. Uh, If we've eaten our Thanksgiving dinner, you know, drops dramatically, we're we're not hungry for a long time after that, right? So the people who did this thought they were drinking 620 calories, their ghrelin levels dropped precipitously. The people who thought they were getting 140 like light snack, like Mm cheese and cracker or something, um, their ghrelin levels remain level. Their home hormones remain level, as as if their basically their expectations, their thoughts, their beliefs about what they were drinking controlled their hormones, not the actual calories they consumed. So there's a whole body of research showing. Uh, there's another uh, study they did with peanut allergies, and they had kids that were in, in a um, study for a medication that would help them, kids with peanut allergies, that would help them not have that really severe allergic response to the peanuts, right? The deadly, potentially deadly response. Yeah. So they... Randomly divided them into groups, the parents and the kids of one one group that got the same medication, one group was told, if you get non-dangerous side effects to the medication, that means that it's working and it's helping. The other group of kids that got the same medication, they they and their parents were told, "Um, you may have some non-dangerous side effects. Mm -hmm. And then they measured how their immune systems responded to the medication and the group that thought that was told that the side effects meant that it was working had a better response to the medication, better immune response. Wow. They had lower levels of anxiety. And they it was interesting because they even in the in the study um they had videotapes of the interviews with the kids and the kids were even telling other kids, oh, you have a side effect? That just means it's working. Wow. So so it's changed how I and they're recommending there's a whole bunch of studies like this that are absolutely startling, but it's it's also changed the way I do therapy because the power of our beliefs. Mm-hmm over our nervous system and over how we uh how our immune system responds is extremely much more powerful than we've ever thought um they even did a study with maids motel they they looked for years this was one that was done years ago by ellen langer and uh Aliyah crumb and uh these women come up with these ingenious studies anyway they um uh they were looking for a group of people that get a lot of physical activity but don't think they exercise, you know, because they wanted to try this power of suggestion kind of idea on them, the power of belief, the power of ideas. They call it placebo effect, basically, or placebo um, effect. And so, they, um, they found a group of, of hotel motel maids because they obviously do physical labor all day long, you know, walking up and down to you know, changing sheets, spending over, picking things up all day long. they work very hard physical labor but they not none of them think they get enough exercise, right um, and um, uh, because they, who has time to exercise and who has the energy to exercise when you do that for a living right? right. Plus you don't have enough money probably to buy a gym membership or right. you know, uh you're you're working already really hard you're tired if you have a family you know that this is what uh, a lot of people's uh work life balance is like you just don't have time to exercise but you you are getting plenty of exercise so they told they did um physiological measures before during and after um for all these women they randomly divided them into two groups one group they told that their jobs met the surgeon general's requirement for a healthy exercise, for you know a healthy amount of exercise. And the other group was just given some neutral message. It, was, it had nothing to do with the suggestion that they got enough exercise. And what they found after a month is the group that believed that they got a healthy amount of exercise, they actually lost weight.
1: Wow. Their
2: blood pressure went down. Their um, measures of health went down, their waistline went down, um, just from believing that they got enough exercise, right? That was the only difference between the two groups that did the same job. Mm-hmm. So so there's a whole bunch of these kinds of studies out there that are getting me thinking so much about how am I thinking about what I'm doing. You know, so it's gotten me to the point where even if I'm taking vitamins, I just say thank you vitamins for helping make my body strong and healthy <laughs> you know yeah. it sounds silly and a little woo woo but actually accepting the medication if we accept the medication as healing if we um reduce our anxiety it has health health benefits if we um aim our mind towards um, positive interpretations of what's going on as opposed to disastrous, the disastrous sort of uh-oh feeling that we can get when we're feeling anxious, that it has some health benefits to it. To it. Well,
1: I tell you, when you were talking earlier about when something happens, if we immediately, you know, characterize it as that's a catastrophe, that's traumatic, you, you have sort of boxed yourself in. And eliminated option because where do you go from there? Yeah, yeah, so. right,
2: Lou. It's like it's it's a lot of what I do day in and day out with people is I'll hear people say, you know, oh, oh my god, it was horrible. The gym is so crowded today, and I'm like, no, that's not horrible. <laughs> There's, <laughs> no <horror. laughs> There's no horror. There is no Freddy Krueger right yeah. with right. us. Right, it's just it's just inconvenient it was just yeah. an inconvenience you know yeah. that there well, were so many people at the gym right so so i i think that it's okay we sometimes use hyperbole right to yeah. to be colorful with our language but if we're careful yeah yeah well okay. and and
1: and you know it language is so powerful that um we have to pay attention to the words that we're speaking because what i'm hearing you say is that we're internalizing that and our body is reacting to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. If we I'm I'm becoming better at being more accurate in, in my internal descriptions of reality and mm-hmm. um and not uh and I'm doing becoming better because I'm trying to learn all this stuff so I can teach it to my clients too. And um but I'm noticing that as soon as I can take things down a few notches in my mind um, it's, it's changed also the way I behave. Like, for example, I, I don't get any of my news from television. Um, I get all my news from print media that I either read online or I actually have get one paper and I read a couple of other newspapers online. Um, because, and I don't, uh, spend a lot of time listening to the twenty-four hour news cycle, where they're extrapolating their opinions. Because what are those opinions? They're catas- catas- catastrophizing. Yeah. They're they're usually catastrophizing because that sells more soap. Right. You know, it keeps right. it keeps you riveted, but it also keeps your nervous system churned up in fear and outrage and. Yeah. So we're in this climate of this outrage this constant outrage which is sort of dripping stress hormones constantly into our bloodstream yeah. which is you know part of what's causing the mental health epidemic and okay. um and and there it's also not good for our physical health. So I've changed the way I behave in in terms of um how I how I consume what I choose to listen to. Uh-huh. Am yeah. I listening to the helpers? Am I listening yeah. to the helpers? Yeah. Or am yeah. I listening to the alarmists? Or right. am I listening to the hate mongers? No, you know, I'm not giving them any of my time.
1: Right. I, I hear you. I'm doing the same thing. I'm being very mindful about what I allow to seep in, you know? Yeah. It's healthier. Yeah, yeah. it's healthier. So um, the pandemic has triggered a lot of social anxiety for folks. What are some ways that people can break free of social anxiety?
2: You know, I think it's an interesting thing. We've gotten out of practice with, uh, you know, and I, I saw this happen years ago when I had my first child and my friends were starting to have babies. And I had a friend who was like this super high powered businesswoman that traveled internationally and she's home for a year with a baby. Takes a year off, and she says, "I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm nervous going to the grocery store now." You know, because she, you know, here she's a person that could fly a, a plane to Dubai and do all this stuff that you know most people would find a little intimidating. Um, and and she had no problem, but after a year being at home with a baby. Um, she found that uh, her world had gotten smaller, right? So, so one of the things I tell people is that what you're feeling is temporary, and remember that when we're out of practice with something, that doesn't mean we can't do it. It just means we're we're out of practice, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband and I and our friends we even talk about, you know, like we just went to a movie theater over the Christmas holiday break for the first time in a couple of years, we haven't been to a movie theater and we were the only people there, but it was a weird feeling to be at a movie theater. It was weird. And, and it was kind of like, you know, unfamiliar, but how we characterize that feeling is the language you're using to describe it. We have a choice about the language we're going to use to describe this uncomfortable feeling. We can call it social anxiety, right? I'm nervous about going to a party where I don't know anybody, where um, am I going to be safe w- with COVID? Should I go? There's all these internal conflicts. And so what i found that helps people is uh, if you have COVID concerns, let's you know address those concerns because a lot of people still have very uh, very serious um, concerns health wise about COVID because they are immune compromised because they may have a pre existing condition because they're of a certain age where it could be uh, still be risky. So I encourage them to have about ba- have boundaries around what they will and won't do and just be very clear on that. So if they are going to socialize with people, have clear boundaries. Maybe you still need to do masks and outdoors or outdoor events without masks, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe you still need to ask people to uh, do some of these precautions to protect your health. Um, maybe you still need to ask if you're gonna get to go to a gathering that everyone tests first. Um, those are all still reasonable things to ask if that lowers your anxiety and allows you to be part of a group. But for others, it's just, we're out of practice. We're out of practice. And so it feels awkward. It feels unfamiliar. Um, So I, I always um, encourage people that if it is something very important to you, you want to go to this thing, but you don't like the discomfort. The only way you're going to get over the discomfort is to do it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like, how do you get over the fear of falling off a horse? Well, you get you fall off a horse. Mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. you know how do you get over the fear of public speaking? you do a lot of public yeah. speaking yeah. and you have everything go wrong like I have had everything go wrong including wardrobe malfunctions <laughs> oh my um goodness. literally everything <laughs> could possibly go wrong and oh. um and you go oh wow I survived that I yeah. I didn't die yeah and fa- and in fact none of those people remember. That, you know, I had to safety pin my pants and because my zipper broke, (laughs) you know, I remember what happened, but the people that I was speaking in front of probably don't even remember, right? So so how do we get over it? Well, sometimes we do need a therapist's help or some encouragement and we need, maybe need some, some people do need some uh, little systematic ways that they can make their world a little bit bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger so you don't feel overwhelmed. Right? right. So I recommend that people do little short things like if you have a fear of public speaking, do a Toastmasters mm-hmm. uh group where you get little one minute opportunities to talk with people right. and then you you little by little they they teach you how to be more effective as a speaker. Well, the same thing with COVID anxiety. Um or social anxiety coming out of COVID. And I've worked with a lot of parents of children who are, the, our children are, are having a really hard time now. Um, and they need everything we can give them and, and help them with because they, you know, they were, they went through a lot through COVID too and a lot of stress and a lot of them are having trouble uh, reentering. And so sometimes they do need treatment, which helps again, um, uh, teach them coping skills for, for opening their world just a little bit at a time. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you, you've talked a bit about, um, you know, the power of the mind, right. And, Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about positive emotions and like how awe and wonder can help to heal trauma?
2: Yes. And that's a really important, uh, chapter it's one of my favorite chapters in the book because it's really about how we can intentionally cultivate positive emotions mm-hmm. and if you think about the deadly disease of depression which is life threatening for some people right some people commit suicide based on depression right yeah. we have seen, seen suicide rates you know going up um what is the opposite of depression well it's joy the ability to generate positive emotions So we really need to place great importance on generating positive emotions like mild joy and contentment. And we can do that intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is uh, really interesting evidence, physiological evidence, psychophysiological evidence of of the healing impact of the feeling of awe and wonder. That you might experience, I experience awe and wonder in nature a lot. uh, A a spectacular waterfall, you just feel the force of the water and the coolness and the just the majesty of it all. This beautiful, you know, spectacle that is nature. um, Looking at the stars, and uh, if you're in a place with not a lot of light pollution, and just contemplate the universe and how massive it is and how it, it just contemplating a light year is awe- awe-inspiring you know the distance that light travels in a year it's just like how do you get your mind around that um it can be awe-inspiring to watch great athletes or musicians um right and it just you watch an incredible soccer mm-hmm. game or football game or performance or mm-hmm. uh I love watching great theater, you know, great Mm -hmm. musical theater um, too. And just um, how did they do that? You know, how did they make that, make that magic happen? So you feel this feeling of awe. And what studies show is that that feeling of awe and wonder lowers inflammation in our nervous system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It boosts our immune system. It can help us heal.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And, just even two hours of being in a forest has a thirty-day antidepressant effect. Wow, thirty days. Wow. Um, so that is amazing, right? So if we if we can, instead of thinking of this as a sort of a, we only once a year do something on vacation, maybe, and we only you know let ourselves have these moments of awe and wonder once we get all our work done and we get all the serious things done and we just like put it in the back burner as you know not very important i suggest we make it really important that we have things to look forward to mm. on a regular basis that can generate a sense of of awe and and wonder
0: amazing
1: yes yeah. And that that is so powerful. I recently got to, I I love the symphony. And I recently got mm. to hear yo yo ma. And I tell you, mm. oh. when I tell you I that his performance for weeks after that. And my husband, who did not want to go, he talked about that constantly. He's still talking about it. Because just what we witnessed that night, oh. it was just, it's just amazing.
2: So, and he's just, he radiates love too. I mean, I think his yeah. performances, I don't know how he does it, but every time I see him, I just feel this washing over of just love and yeah. joy and just, it's its powerful what he can do with Absolutely. that cello. Yeah, he's
1: yeah. just so gifted. So, but um, the we wanted to talk to you a little bit about neuroplasticity because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it describes the brain's ability to adapt and change itself. And one of my favorite books, I keep it near so I can refer to it or remember. I read this years ago, but it had such an impact on me. And it's The Brain That Changed Itself by Norman Dodge.
2: Yeah. He's incredible. That's a great book. Oh, I mean, it is.
1: And I, not being, um, you know, a medical doctor, but I am telling you, I understood what he was saying in that book, the power of the brain and how it can change itself and change the body. So talk to us a little bit about that, please.
2: When you think about it, Our brain, our capacity to learn is a neuroplastic capacity, right? So uh, our brain is designed to continually be an adapting organism, which means if we are um, living our life, we are constantly learning anyway, but we can intentionally harness that, which is the exciting part right instead of just feeling like life just happens to us you know i went to first grade second grade third grade i graduated you know i just kind of did these these things i'm supposed to do well we can also take it a step further and go well what else do i want to be able to do do i want to be able to play the cello do i want to be able to um cope better with uh, the suffering that's going on in my life all of the the answer to a lot of that is yes. It, it's yes, and and there are um, there are ways we can do that. And and what's interesting too is, you know, you think about, you know, we're all as animals. We really start out as wild animals. We're just wild creatures, mm-hmm. um, and we are shaped by our environment and the and the and the, and the Wherever we land, did we land in a place that taught us things and allowed us to grow to our full potential, or did we land in this sort of desert wasteland where, <laughs> you know, we're we're not necessarily getting everything that we need? Once you're of a place of awareness, you can start to choose what what influences do you want to have on your brain, mm-hmm. and those are really important choices. and um, And that might mean that we break out of bad habits, right? Um, we know, for example, that television is a negative hypnotic. We know within about 40 seconds of watching television, you are your brain is in this suggestible state and you are absorbing all of those homicides and all of those scary, suspenseful, terrible things. And even if you're only watching the Nature Channel, you're probably still getting commercials that are all full of mm things that are manipulating you. You know and is that where you want your brain to go, right? So so uh being selective like you were saying Lou is is really important because you are then whatever your mind rests upon, your neurons wire there. Mm-hmm. Your brain is adapting to whatever you're you're exposing it to. Mm-hmm. So I was I was talking to a gentleman who came from like special forces and he's uh he's uh one of those people has seen a lot of awful things in his life, a lot of war, a lot of
0: uh-huh.
2: ugly stuff on a huge scale. And he's reading one of these page turning <laughs> novels. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. You know, this is, this is your nervous system is all wound up because you, your work, involves looking at all the dangerous things going on in the world and your attention is on all of those strategies around dealing with some of the most dangerous things going on in the world how about in your free time when you're on an airplane you know you rest your brain and read something different you know read something that's more that can allow you to rest. You know, we had this really interesting discussion about that. But what happens sometimes when we become uh, when we become hyper focused on danger? And a lot of people who are first responders and uh, who deal with danger and 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 things like that every day. I've worked with a lot of those, and I we did trainings for the FBI and and emotion and anger management and stuff. And a lot of these folks on their free time are also watching all of the scary, bad, hard stuff. And that's all they're getting in. They're only getting in, you know, all of this stuff. And my suggestion is always to give yourself a rest from that, you know, thankful to you for doing that work, grateful for those people uh, thinking about all the strategies we need to be thinking about to keep us safe. 24-7, though, it's not its not healthy. It's good to give yourself a rest from that because whatever your mind uh, rests upon, then that's all you see, right? Then that's all you're going to see is danger and threat around every corner. And most of the time, that's not really necessary. Right? Mm. Wow. Okay.
1: Well, those are all of the questions that we have for you. Um, again, thank you so much for, for joining us today here at Earrings Off. And again, we're here with Dr. Gina Simmons-Snyder. It has been our pleasure to talk with you. Please share with our audience on how they can contact you and your, um, your information, please, and any parting words you might have for them
2: oh of course I, I love to hear from people if they uh, want to ask me questions or contact me uh, frazzlebrain.com it's really easy one word frazzle brain just like it sounds and um and I, I you can contact me there I'm um all my social media links are on there too so if you want to follow me I post articles I write for psychology today so I'm always writing about uh, neuroplasticity and how to be happier and how to cope better and um, with all the hard, hard things we have to deal with in life. So yeah, I would totally love to hear from anybody and I always respond. I will get back to you if you, if you have a question or a comment.
1: All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us here at Earrings Off. So you take good care.
2: Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Teresa. It's a pleasure meeting you both.